At this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children to Children's Church. Children kindergarten through fifth grade can go with Miss Cindy downstairs. We do have our nursery, if that is needed, down the hall as well. Let me ask you this. How many of you know what this is? It's a home filter, right? And some of you need to go home and change these. This is a all-serving church. We cover everything here. But what is, the, what is the purpose of a filter? It's to keep certain stuff out of your breathing air, right? It's to keep it on the outside. Can I tell you that every single one of us has a filter as well? What filters do we have? The way that we view the world. Maybe it's MSNBC. Maybe it's CNN. Maybe it's Fox News. Some of us filter the world through a blue lens or through a red lens. And it filters everything that we see. Our filters cause us to blame the other side. This country is in absolute tatters because of the right or the left, we say. Can I just tell you that we don't have a right problem or a left problem? We have an American problem. This country is more divided now than it's probably ever been in most of our lives. And yet everything that is thrown at us, we view through our filters that make others around us look like the enemy. Today we're beginning a new series entitled Faith and Politics. So if you're new with us, welcome. <laughs> but we're taking this next two weeks to look at how are we as Christians to live. The two things that you're not supposed to talk about at the Thanksgiving table are faith and politics. And yet we're going to do it all in one here. Yet I hope you'll see through this next two weeks how we as a church need to be the light in a divided and broken world. We need to show how to be unified even after November comes and goes. If you're honest this morning, you might still be recovering from the last election cycle and all the craziness that went on. Can I just give you a little bit of a secret here before we start? This one's not going to be any better. We as the church need to be the light. Our greatest need this political season, the community's greatest need this political season, is a spiritual one. Today I want to talk to you about filters, but a filter of what comes out of you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, you can grab the pew Bible in front of you or it will also be on the screen as well. But as you open up there, I want to set some of the groundwork of what is going on in the book of James. There's a tension in the church that James is writing to. And James is trying to fix this tension by addressing things like whether we're saved by works or whether we're saved by grace. But there's a theme that runs even deeper than that, and it's this. How do we be the people of God? 
How do we live out this life as God's chosen people? It is with this context in mind that I believe James is going to give us some extremely helpful words that will help us be faithful followers of Christ in a time that is so incredibly politically divided. So if you've opened up to James chapter 3, one of the things that we like to do in student ministry is when you get there, say word, because it's fun to talk in church. So if you're James chapter 3, say word. Starting in verse 3, the word of the Lord. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by, ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. As we turn our hearts and our minds to hear what you have for us today, let us faithfully look at this passage and ask the question, how can we be your light in this world? We pray this in your name. Amen. The church that James is writing to is fighting amongst themselves, but it's ultimately, it's a fight for power. Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to lead? Absolutely nothing has changed in the last 2,000 years. Not only in the church, but in our politics. People fight because they want to be in power. They want to be in leadership. James first addresses the leaders in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter. You need to be responsible. But then he turns it on the church in our passage. We are all responsible for what we say. James, just like our initial filter illustration, is a visual teacher and he's going to give us a couple of great visuals that we're going to look at. But I, I want to give you two questions this morning that I believe can serve as a filter for us as we look at our words. The first one is this. What is steering your tongue? What is steering your tongue? When we think about where we are as a culture, we really have two complete polar opposites, right? Political correctness or say whatever you want. Either, hey, you have to be careful of people's feelings and watch everything you say so that you don't even risk offending someone. And then on the other side, it's a complete free-for-all. Say whatever you want. It doesn't matter what people feel. It doesn't matter who you hurt or tear down. Both of these have very, very sharp edges and can cause serious, serious damage. We have to acknowledge that the Bible isn't always going to match up with our culture. Quite frankly, the Bible is rarely going to match up with our culture. So we can't just ignore it and say, hey, I'm going to take the attitude of political correctness and not say anything. But also we need to think about the way Jesus did ministry. He wasn't walking around tearing everyone down and cutting people deep. The point that James is trying to make is that small things produce big results. And he gives us this word picture of this bit and this rudder. The bit goes into the mouth of the horse and with it you can direct the horse's direction. The same is true of the ship's rudder. These small things compared to what they're steering 
yield big results. James is saying your tongue is the exact same. Are, you, are a bit or a rudder positive or negative? They're neutral, right? It depends on who's steering, who's in control on where that goes. They aren't positive or negative. It all depends on who's driving it. We'll come back to that here in a few minutes. But right now, let me ask you this. What is your passion? What gets you excited? Some of you, it's going to be the Super Bowl tonight and cheering on your team or cheering on the other team to win because they knocked your team out of the Super Bowl. For some of you, it will be cars. For some of you, it will be working out. For some of you, it will be traveling. Maybe it's fishing or maybe it's a certain show. We all have something that gets us excited. Or to say it differently, we all have something that triggers us. A lot of you are 100% steady for who you're voting for, and nothing's going to change that. For others, ask yourself, what are your deal breakers? What do you get passionate about? Maybe it's the economy. Inflation just gets you amped up. Maybe it's education, the decline of our school systems, or accessible college for everyone. Maybe it's poverty or immigration. Maybe it's the military. This is a heavy military community. We like to support our military. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of that and you say military spending is out of control. As someone who works in military spending, I will tell you it is. <laughs> but maybe it's gun control. Maybe it is abortion. Which one of those triggers did I touch that made you shift in your seat just a little bit? We'd like to think, I'm a Christ follower, and if the person next to me is a Christ follower, then we should come out of these issues all on the same side. Can I tell you that isn't the case? In a church like this, I guarantee you there are people that fall on both sides of every single one of these issues. That's why preaching a message like this can be so incredibly challenging. When I talked to Phil about this before I left, I told him the only way to have this talk appropriately is to offend everyone in the room, me included. But when we think that we know the right answers to our problems, that our world, our country, our state, our county, even our church is facing. When someone falls on the other side of that disagreement, it can trigger us. It can lead to what comes out of our mouth. Let me ask you if any of these sound bites sound familiar. Somebody had to tell them off. I'm just glad it was me. It was good to get things off my chest. It felt good to give her a piece of my mind. What I said will do him some good. I feel better for saying it. Some of these you may not even say out loud, but when our triggers are pressed and we get worked up, what comes out of us? James gave us a third word picture and it's a spark. What about this one? Is this one neutral? Well, it depends on who you ask. Men, we love fire. Oh, fire, good. But if you ask someone in California right after the fire seasons, they would say it's bad. 
one tiny little spark, James tells us, burnt down the whole forest. And we know how true that is. Words can be destructive. One little sentence, one little word can be a spark just ready to set everything ablaze. So let's evaluate what comes off our tongue. It's going to be extremely tempting to think, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this message. Oh, I wish my husband was here. I would challenge you to not try to apply this to someone else, but let's look internally and say, what is coming out of my heart? What is coming out of my mouth? Your words, and see if any of this is true about you. So here's the list. Are any of these coming out of you? Criticism. You're just critical of everything. You're negative and it's causing people to not want to be around. Sarcasm. Aren't we good at this one? We make it sound like a joke when we're really cutting someone down. Maybe it's yelling or screaming. They don't listen to me, so I'll just say it louder. Maybe it's cursing. Well, pastor, you don't understand. This is a law enforcement community. This is a military community. It just helps me express myself. Those words might help you express yourself, but they're cutting down those around you. Maybe you become bitter and you refuse to see anything positive. You always find the way to find that negativity because of the bitterness that's inside. Can I tell you that bitterness is like drinking poison expecting someone else to die? Maybe it's complaining. Things are mostly good, but you're willing to point out what's not good. Maybe it's gossip. <laughs> Can I tell you, the church has raised this to an absolute art form. Do you know how we do it? Hey, did you hear about Cindy Lou? She's, she's having a hard time. We need to pray for her. Oh, her husband, he is just so mean. We need to pray for them. But it's a way that we use it as an excuse to talk about people. It's just a chance to spread rumors. And gossip and rumors give birth to selfishness and eventually even hate. So what do your words reflect? Do your words build up or do your words destroy? What is coming out of your mouth? James 1.26 says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In Proverbs 15.1 it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then if you flip over to Proverbs 26, Verses 20 and 21 say this, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Do you want to know what the biggest area of wildfires in our lives are? This thing right here, the internet. The internet. This thing, I heard someone say once that if you don't have anything good to say, say it at 2 a.m. on social media. 
This has been such an incredible downfall to our society. If there's one thing we could point to, to the way that we have become as a people, it's our constant connection of the cell phones and the internet. Before you become a keyboard warrior this season and post what you're thinking, remember these four things about the internet. First, it's instant. There's no cooling off period. You have something you want to say? Say it right now on social media. I remember as a kid, I would hear these jokes at school, and I'm like, I want to tell my parents these jokes. But then I'd have time to think about it, and I'd be like, actually, that's probably not a good joke. I shouldn't do that. I am so thankful for those cooling off periods. Or what about this? You have a tough conversation that you have to have. How many of us play that conversation through in our heads? The first time through, it's like, oh, I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to tell them what I'm thinking. But then as you think through it more, you're like, ah, that's not the right way to handle this. Because you have that cooling off period. We don't have that on the internet. Your first thought, it's probably your best one. Go ahead and post it. The second is it's constant. There's no off button. It's there for you whenever you want it. Again, no cooling off period. Third, it's global. Yikes. How many of us made mistakes as kids that it's like, well, a couple of my friends know about that, but no one really else now, everyone knows about it. Do something dumb and see if it doesn't show up on YouTube. Bet you it will. It's global. And then finally, if I could foot stomp one thing for our students in the room, it's permanent. It's permanent. Once it out, it's out there, it's out there forever. Even if you delete it, it ain't going away. It's permanent. So I want to give you something of a help. A, a pastor I know gave his church the five commandments of social media. And I've adapted these for us. So here we go. Number one, thou shalt remember you represent Jesus and Berea. When people look at what you post, they're evaluating other Christians and even the church based on what you post. If you don't believe this, I've been in this place. I've gotten stuff that I've posted that at work, people are like, I thought you were a Christian. Yikes. People are watching and they're evaluating based on what we say. Are we being a good representative? Number two, thou shalt refrain from posting when emotions are high. Most things you're going to want to post, especially when emotions are high, you probably need to think through. Just give it time and you'll wish that you hadn't posted it if you do. This includes passive aggressiveness. I used to be a king at passive aggressive posts on Facebook. And they got me in trouble more than once. I'll tell you, I, at the church I used to go to, I got called into the pastor's office more than once to say, Bill, what were you thinking by posting that? Number three, thou shalt remember your words are permanent. Like we said, once they're out there, they're out there. You might post it and then I'm going to instantly delete it. Someone got a screenshot. It exists forever. Number four, thou shalt remember your church family might have a different view than you do. 
Not everyone in this room is going to agree on every political topic. Really, every topic in general. While it may seem cut and dry to you, someone else might feel very, very differently about it. Number five, thou shalt not be a distraction to the good news of Jesus. Politics is important, and we're called as the church to be involved in our community. But can I tell you, the gospel, what we stand for as a church, is far more important. Far more important. I'm not telling you to not be involved in politics. I'm not telling you that you can't have opinions. I'm just asking, can we think before we hit send? Back in James, verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing? My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring for, pour forth both the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh waters. We asked first, what is steering your tongue? But second, who is steering your heart? Who is steering your heart? Matthew fifteen eighteen says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this, this defiles a person. The fruit coming out of our mouths is a product of what is in our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, there's a connection between mouth and heart. There's a direct correlation between the things we say and the things that we're allowing inside. If I'm constantly lashing out at my family, this is evidence of a heart problem. James gives us another word picture here, and it's a spring. We have to understand the culture that this was written in, a dry desert culture. Springs were an important source of life. Springs are refreshing waters. James says you can't have salt water among the fresh water. It corrupts the whole thing. It ruins it. The tongue can likewise be a spring of life, but even a little bit of salt water can ruin everything. Let me ask it this way. Have you ever known someone inside the church that they just put on that nice persona? They're church-going people. They have nice, elegant prayers. They're at every Bible study. But then you hang out with them outside of the church, and it's like, ooh, they're mean to every waiter that comes around. They curse constantly. They gossip. It's like something doesn't match up here. Just a little bit can ruin everything else. It ruins and corrupts the good that comes out of our mouth. So we looked at earlier some of the negatives that come from our hearts. But let's see if any of these are coming out of your mouth right now. Encouragement. 
Are we encouraging others? Are we building them up? Are we praising people? Are we complimenting people? Are we showing them kindness and love? Blessing. How about this one? Forgiveness. Can I tell you that a lot of churches and a lot of people in churches are really, really bad at forgiveness? Really, really bad. But we could change our churches and we could change the culture by just a little bit of forgiveness. We can heal past hurts by just being willing to forgive. As I think about the heart, I think about some words that we need more right now. Like this. Please and thank you. Where have these gone in our culture? I remember as a kid, like almost having it beat into me that you say please and thank you. As a culture, we've lost this. It doesn't exist anymore. What about this one? I'm sorry. When was the last time you said this? We could change a lot about our world if we would just be quicker to say, I'm sorry. How about I love you? We cannot say this one enough. Can I tell you, church, I love all of you. Some of you make it very difficult. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But as a family, this is important. We need to know that we love each other because that's what we are as a church. We're family. Many of you were here at homecoming and you got to meet one of my best friends in the entire world, John Cook. I would consider us both to be fairly masculine men. But did you know every single time we talk, we tell each other that we love each other? We have a whole culture, a whole generation of men that are unable to say I love you because it was never modeled for them. They were never shown how to say I love you. Men, let's not continue this curse. Let's break this now and let those that are closest to us know that we love them. We need to speak life into those that are closest to us. What about this one? I'm praying for you. Can I take it a, a step further? I know for me, I have a really bad memory. Katie can tell you this. If I don't write something down, by the time I get out of that room, I will forget it. When we tell someone that we're going to pray for them, can we just make it a thing to just stop and say, can I pray for you right now? It doesn't take that long. And it's speaking life into them, knowing that they are important enough for us to stop and pray for them. To take that time to not only make sure that we actually do it, but to let them know that they're important. So I ask you again, how's your heart? A message like this, if we're honest with ourselves, can be extremely discouraging. We're looking at ourselves and even in preaching this message and, and going through and marking it up this morning, I'm like, wow, there are some areas I really, really need to do better in. I'm failing at a lot of this. But it doesn't have to be discouraging. We have a spring of life who is Jesus Christ. 
See, God doesn't want to just control your actions. He wants to steer your heart. There are an infinite number of things in this world that want to control your mind and your attention and ultimately your heart. But there's only one thing that can control your heart in a way that makes it a spring of living water. And that's Jesus. That's what Jesus does for the believer. Jesus is the true source of living water. He said this to the woman at the well. But when you come into right relationship with Jesus, he takes all that negative that's in your heart and he removes it. He turns the believer into a spring of living water. That then the believer can be a source of nourishment in a world that I'm telling you desperately needs Jesus. Desperately needs Jesus. Through encouragement and spreading the good news, we can be examples of what Jesus has called us to be. Jesus wants to be your source of deep soul refreshment. Will you let him? Will you? I mean, truly let him. Like we said, just a little bit of negativity can spoil everything else. We know this to be true. Think about it. We can hear 99 positive things, but that one negative thing, what do we focus on? (laughs) The one negative thing. I hope I'm not alone in this. We have to give Jesus all of our heart. Jesus doesn't want a divided heart. I focus on Jesus on Sundays and Wednesday nights, but the rest of the week, I focus on the world. This won't do. As his people, we need to be sold out to Jesus. So how's your heart? Or better yet, who or what is controlling your heart and by extension, your mouth? Are you a spring of living water to every person you see? Or are you a a spark just waiting to set the world ablaze? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And I want to ask you today to really reflect on what we've talked about today. It's easy to think, Pastor, I've got enough stuff to worry about right now. I do not need to be worrying about this. But you don't have time to not think about this. God has called us to be light in a world that, quite frankly, is falling apart. We need to constantly be looking at ourselves and asking, how am I doing? What's in my heart that shouldn't be? What have I allowed to come in? So what did you hear today? Did your filter get in the way? That pastor, he has no idea what he's talking about. I'm just fine. Or is God showing you something that needs some work? What are you going to say this week? What are you going to say this election season? What path are you going to choose? One that breathes out springs of living water and life into every person we come in contact with? Where will you steer your tongue? What is God showing you today? Have you hurt someone with your tongue? Do you need to make something right? This message is very much for the Christian in the room, but I realize that there might be someone here who doesn't have a right relationship with Jesus. Your heart is full of corruption and death and it comes out with ease. You tear people down. 
You breathe anger, which can come from a place of hurt, insecurity, brokenness. Can I just tell you honestly, if you don't have God, this will never change. The first time I stepped foot in a church, I went there because I wanted to manipulate a situation. I'm going to go to church because this person needs it. Can I tell you that I just found that what I really needed was I was broken. And God used that to touch my heart. If you're here this morning, if you leave this morning without God, it's going to be really easy to look at this world and think it is a lost cause. There is no hope. It will be easy to believe that. But I'm telling you, there's a problem with your heart and that problem doesn't have to remain. It can be springs of living water instead of utter destruction. You can leave here today and step into a spring of living water that can heal the brokenness you feel inside. You just have to choose to say, I'm done with the destruction. I'm done with the stuff that's in my heart. I want a different way. Some of you very well might be cultural Christians. We're raised in a community where I was raised Christian. I always went to church. That's just what I do. But that doesn't save. We talk about this in student ministry all the time. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If we want that changing work in our heart, it has to be personal. We have to own it. Or it won't do anything. We can't get into heaven based on my great aunt's profession of faith. We have to own that. So how is God calling you to respond today? Maybe it is a relationship with Jesus that you need to step into. May, but maybe there's, there's some stuff in your heart that you need to work on. That you need to ask Jesus to heal and remove. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing, but I'm going to be down front. And if there's something that God is laying on your heart that you need to work on today, don't put that off. He's placing that on your heart because he says, that's it, no more. Today is the day, now is the moment. From here, we're moving forward. But will you be obedient to his call? Will you respond the way that he's calling you to respond? Will you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Father God, we thank you that you are our great Savior. That you sent Jesus to come and make a better way. Lord, there is much brokenness in this world. But we have a source of life that outweighs all the negative. So Lord, whatever is in our hearts, whatever is coming out of our mouths that is unpleasing to you, convict us of that. Let us have the courage and the strength to walk forward with you in the way that you've called us to be. Because Lord, we know that there is a world that so desperately needs to see you. Our community needs the church to be an example to follow 
what Jesus first did in showing us how to love others and to stand on your truth. Thank you, Lord. Lead us and let us be obedient to whatever you've called us to do. We pray this in the only name that we know how, the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.